You're listening to audio from Cibolo Creek Community Church. To learn more, visit CibeloCreek.com. We are blessed to live and do life in the same community with a three-time World Series champ, a pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. And today he is as awesome off the field as he was on. Um, Jeremy leans into helping those uh, lost in uh, sex trafficking. He leans into hunger the hunger issue. He's a local business owner who promotes the value of doing life in community. And most importantly, he's a great dad of three boys. So when we're doing a series on baseball, of course, it makes sense to invite uh, Jeremy to come and speak. And my favorite is that he loves Buffalo more than I do. So (laughs) it's all good. Thank you for sharing your story with us, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Thank you all for having me. Uh, Like Kristen said, I'm I'm from around here. Some of you I've met in the local business because I make beer. So now we have, I don't personally make beer, but I like to take credit for it. But uh, no, we have a good time at Free Rome Brewing Company uh, down on Main Street. And it's uh, part of my journey that I'll be talking to you all about. But I really appreciate you having me. Uh, this is my, I will be honest with you, uh, with COVID and, and a lot of stuff going on, I, I have not been able to speak as much as I usually do. Uh, I usually uh, was able to be fortunate enough to travel the country and, and speak to different groups about my heart for Jesus, my heart for community, my heart for leadership, my heart as a dad, and, uh, and I haven't been able to do that. So this is actually my first time in about two and a half years uh, speaking uh, publicly. Uh, so I, I, I appreciate your grace a little bit uh, on this. I, uh, I have great friends here. Uh, obviously, uh, my three boys are with me uh, today, which I'm super uh, proud of. Uh, they've come out, and uh, my girlfriend Candace uh, is here, and some of her staff, her beautiful daughter Samantha, I think was going to come. Oh, she's here. Uh, so she's here with her. And then I've got some awesome friends, uh, the Samples and the Davises who are here to support me. Colby's, uh, so when I would go out and play uh, when I'd warm up and right before I go into the game when we come into the game so I was a reliever and I'll talk about that so I pitched the seventh eighth inning and I was the guy that if you tanked it we're the scapegoat we stink go home you suck type thing right and if you did well no one cares Verlander won the game and no one else cares about anybody else right so we didn't really get a lot of the good stuff so you know so when we run into the game I'd always have a I'd have a a a coach named Billy Hayes and he would catch me to warm me up because it was part of my routine I liked him catching me and I'd stop and I'd kind of put my feet like right in front of the fence and the gate would open and I could look over at him and he'd be like don't tank it I'm like, thanks. That was kind of my trigger to get locked in, right? So Colby today, when he walked in, he's like, you nervous? You're going you're to tank it. Don't tank it. You're nervous. People haven't heard you speak in a while, you know? So it kind of locked me in, you know? So I was really thankful that he was able to do that. So it uh, kind of triggered me on that. So, but again, I appreciate you having me. And I want to talk about a few things uh, when it comes to baseball. I know you guys are doing this baseball series. And this is kind of that eighth inning they said type week, uh, and that was kind of my area. And so I want to talk to you about superstition versus routine. So baseball players are superstitious, right? They cross, they step on the chalk line. They think the baseball gods are going to somehow ruin their game. You know, you got guys coming up the plate and they're like, 
you know, and they do it like 15 times just in case God, God missed it the other 14 before the pitch comes, you know? So they got all these things they do and doing these weird rhythms and it becomes a superstition for them. And I was never a superstitious guy. I've stepped on the lines and broke all the rules. Guys are freaking out. And I still tanked it whether I stepped on the line or I didn't. So like it didn't really matter or I did well whether I stepped on the line or didn't. And so that wasn't my thing, but I did do things all the time, every day, the same way. And it wasn't because of superstition, but it was my routine. And I wanna kinda chat with you about how I view routine and why I have a routine the way I do, but also scripturally, I have routines, the, why I do things, and it's helped me in life. Some of the exact same routines that I used in baseball, I actually use in life. And it has helped me, because baseball, as we all know, uh, might not be the coolest sport because we got football and we got basketball, but baseball is the hardest sport to play in the world and you gotta be mentally tough. And so we're a different breed. Okay, we're better than anybody else. So uh, we, need, we, need to, we, need to, we need to have routine and, we got, and so we're more mentally tough than everybody when it comes to life, right? So, uh, but I wanna read scripture to you real quick before I get started. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Father God, I wanna thank you so much for this opportunity to speak uh, to Cibolo this morning. Uh, I really appreciate my time here and I ask that my heart would be heard and that your voice would be heard, Father God, and ultimately your heart would be heard through this. I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, superstition versus routine. So when it comes to my relationship with the king and our relationship with the, the King Jesus, I, there, the superstition routine thing can be kind of a little bit interesting because we think we gotta, we gotta wake up every day and pray or, or, or we gotta sing worship or we gotta listen to worship songs or, or when we're going through a tough time, we're making sure we're reading our Bible or we're doing all these checklists and we can kind of almost get somewhat, we can border on the line of superstition where we use God as a rabbit foot. We want things to go our way so we do certain things, we act a certain way, we, we, we speak a certain way, we talk a certain way, we, we go to church on certain days or, or, or certain Sundays when we're struggling or, or certain times of the year because it is that superstition type mentality. And so when you think about routine in God, when it says, right, and it says meditate day and night, it can kind of lean that way of like, well, I gotta meditate day and night. I, I gotta constantly be reading scripture. I, gotta, I have to constantly be, be thinking of God. I have, to, I, have to, I, have to, I have to do these things because this is what God tells me to do. And that's how to have relationship. And that's not how I see it. I see it as when we meditate day and night on, on Jesus and on the scriptures, it says, he says, I will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Because I truly believe when you come up with a routine, that is not a superstition. A routine with our king is someone that says, I'm gonna stay close to the one that can give and take. I'm gonna stay close to the one that ultimately has wisdom. I'm gonna stay close to the one that says, your ways are not my ways, but my, and my ways aren't your ways. But in the end, I gotta believe the God that sets destiny into play says my way is ultimately gonna be the best way. And you might not see it, but I've got a plan for you. And so I see my, myself as a meditative person in a routine, as someone that says, I just wanna stay close to that guy, whatever it takes, whatever meditation it is for me, whether it's however you view it, however you view how to meditate on God day and night. It could be reading your scripture every day. It could be you know, praying all the time. It could be listening to worship music, but it's more of constantly staying in constant communication 
with Jesus. And that's a routine, but it is also a way of life. And I don't know how to explain this any other way, but baseball, so I have to do it because it's what I did for 30 years of my life. From the time I was five to 36, it kind of was my way. And it's how I view life and it's how I did life and it's how I saw it because you're at the baseball field every day from one to midnight. It's every day, we get 20 days off a year, right? We get our random days off in the season, but it's every day. Spring training, it starts in spring training and it's 6 a.m to probably 3 p.m. during spring training. And when the season starts, it's pretty much one to midnight, unless you have an occasional day game and a, and a day off every 20 days. So it's all I, it's all I knew. It's all I can understand. So I had to go to the field every day and I, and I had to do the same thing because I had to get myself ready to play. Starting pitchers, I mean, they get paid all the money and they work like once a week. So like they, you know, that kind of, for me was not really the concept of like work harder, we get paid more. They work less and got paid more. But with relievers, you know, we had to work every day. Position players had to work every day. We had to be on every day. So I came to the field. So I'm, I wanna talk to you guys a little bit about how I came to the field on the routine of baseball and how that equivalents, equivalents to me on, on how I walk with Jesus. So I got to the field every day and my routine was the same. So this is what I would do. I would literally, I, I, I would come to the field and I would eat lunch. So I'd leave, I, I'd have lunch, I'd have a little something to eat. I'd get on a bike for 20 minutes because that's the eyewash cardio, so make you feel like you worked out, right? So I did, I did that for 20 minutes and then I, I went and watched video on guys and I studied the guys that I would face that day. And I, I, I would wanna know who I'm facing, when I'm facing them, what inning, what, who's the pinch hitters. So I played in the National League for most of my career. So I'd like to know who's gonna come pitch hit against me. I, I wanna know who the lefties are, what kind of breaking ball they like. Do they like it in or out, up or down? Do I, can I run sinkers in on them? Do I need to stay away from them? I wanted to know all that about these guys. And even though I faced a lot of these guys for most of my career, they still made adjustments just like I had to. So I needed to know, so I studied them. And then I grabbed this thing, I grabbed this towel, right? And I made a knot right in the middle of this towel. And it had, you know, and I call it the towel drill. Some of your kids may do it. Some, I, I encourage it if you have kids that are pitchers. But I go on the mound and I didn't want to throw a baseball because I only got so many bullets in my arm. So I didn't want to just throw this seven ounce ball all the time. And I couldn't get a catcher to come out with me every day because I was kind of an annoying guy. I was an over analytical guy. I would think a lot. I'd freak out. So, so I would get this towel and I go out on the mound. Uh, and this is all before we even take batting practice. And I get on the mound and I would come set and I'd work my delivery, but I'd visualize those guys that I was facing every day. And I would go out and say, okay, I'm gonna face this guy. This is the pitch I'm gonna throw. This is the one I wanna feel. This is it. So I'd visualize that. And, the, and, and I, I, cause that would trick my brain and then I would feel comfortable with facing them that night because I've already faced them in my head. I've already done it. And, and that, was, that was my pregame routine. Every day I come to the field and do that. Every day I would meditate all the time on what I'm gonna do. That's what I would do. And that's how, and, and that made me successful. When I started doing those things earlier in my career, I didn't do a lot of those things. I thought I was just talented. I just figured out, I just go out there and throw really hard and snap off a curveball, and it, it would be great. And I had a five and a half ERA and I was giving up 500 foot homers and it really wasn't going my way. So I, I kind of was like, okay, what's gonna make me successful? 
and the and getting and getting really down into my career that is what made it successful i did the same thing every day because this is all i knew and this is what I, what I knew, this, this, these are the kind of things that I knew would work for me and I could trust the results on this. It didn't always work out. I didn't always do well that day, but I still went back to the same thing. I didn't just throw it out. I didn't just have a bad day with God and then chuck the relationship. I didn't do that. I didn't just go out and say, man, my life's not going well and chuck the relationship. And we've all had our ups and downs in life. We have. We've had, as a, as, a, as a world, we've had issues the last few years. And now you're seeing God void in all these different areas because it's not going our way. And we have unfortunate shootings in these schools and we've got, we've got terrorist attacks and we've got a fight, political fights and we have, we, have, we have family fights and we have all these things going on and we're chucking God because it doesn't make sense. Cause they're like, well, it ain't working. So let's try something else. And it gets worse and worse and worse rather than staying in our focus and in our trust in the King who says, I already have it worked out. You gotta trust me, you gotta stay close to me. Just stick with the plan, wake up, meditate, remind yourself who you are in me, stay close to me because I'm gonna stay close to you. And I had to do that in my career. So innings one through four, the coolest thing. So I, we, as a reliever, the reason I really like being a reliever is innings one through four, we just mess around. Yeah, you guys have been to baseball games, right? Have you watched bullpen guys like the first four or five innings? There is no rhyme or reason. They don't even know what's going on. Like they don't, like they're throwing seeds, they're flicking. I, we would flick seeds at fans and, and hit them. We, 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 like, we, would, we would dink around. I, in San Francisco, when I was there, we didn't have a bullpen at the time. They have a bullpen now, but we'd have this little mound on the side of the field. And when they made the new field, it was super amazing. And everybody's all, they, Candlestick was gone. They built the Barry Bonds house and, and they got this, this beautiful, beautiful field and they were flying over it. And the, and the owner's son was about 10. He was in this helicopter with his dad and they're all looking at the field and how awesome it was. And the builder was up there with them and the contractor and, and, and the 10 year old looks at his dad and goes, hey dad, where are the, where are the bullpens? And they're all staring down from this helicopter and they all looked over at the contractor and was like, oh boy. You know, I mean, Rusty's here. He helped do the brewery. Ask him how I looked at him half the time when we were doing stuff. I was like, dude, what are we doing? You know, like he, he, you're the first, the other first guy to blame. So like we were sitting there and, and they didn't have any bullpen. So they put them on the field and then they said they're keeping the history of a baseball field. They made up an excuse like, oh, we're trying to keep the old candlestick mounds, you know, where you warm up on the field. Well, so for me, I didn't have a bullpen to go sit in and hide. So I would sit in the dugout and I'd take these, I'd chew these um, double bubble or whatever the gum, the big pink, the gum that doesn't really chew. It's like chewing cud, right? And you chew it. Well, I'd make balls and I'd throw them in the third base uh, coach's batter box because I'd try to get him to step in them, landmines. We're 28 year old, 29 year old kids, man. We're not very, we're not, we're not very mature. So we would, we would do that. And that's what I would do all game until Bochi, my manager would throw me out of the dugout because I really didn't want to pay attention much to the game because I was trying to rest. I was, I was, I really was. I was trying to just like, I'm probably going to have to pitch at some point today, or I'm going to get warmed up. The game's going to get a little hairy unless it's 10, nothing, or we're up or down 10 runs. I'm probably going to be in this game at some point. And so I didn't want to overdo it. Have you, ever, have you ever done that where you just overthought everything all day until you actually do it? Like it, it drove me nuts. Like if I thought about it too much, by the time I actually did, 
I got to do my job, I was so mentally burnt out, I literally couldn't do my job. I'd already, you know, I'm already a mental midget is what we call each other, right? Just, you know, like we just, we just can't focus, right? So I like to rest. So the first four innings for me, man, I'd just be like, whatever. I'm gonna dink around, I'm gonna laugh, I'm gonna enjoy the game. I'm, I'm, I'd yell at umpires. I mean, I'd yell at them. The umpire would look in, I'd point at a coach, try to get them thrown out of the game. It would be, I mean, it was awesome. I had a lot of fun, I really, I really did. I had a great time. But in that rest for me, there was a concept and a reason why I rested. Because the storm was coming. It was coming. And this is where I thrived in that storm. It's where we all actually thrive in storms of life. We don't like them, but we actually are built for them. And we strive in those. And scripturally in John 16, it says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace, which is rest, rest in me. Because he says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so my whole concept was that I rested in that game. In life, we need to rest, we need to have fun, we need to enjoy each other, we need to have a great time. You need to come to a brewery and have a beer, smoke a cigar, have a glass of wine, hang out, listen to music, laugh, you know, play darts, do whatever. But we need to connect as a community. And I think that COVID showed us something for me as we lost that. And now we're getting it back and everybody's super excited because they're like, we actually can connect and laugh with each other, but actually see the smile. Like half the time, we didn't even know people were smiling or, or frowning because we had a mask. Of, like it was so tough. It was so hard on our communities. And we lost the ability to just connect with one another and laugh and live and love and enjoy life because it was just constantly hard. And we never rested. Stress was up. Crazy things were happening. Paranoia, anxiety, all these things were going on. And, and you couldn't actually just enjoy being and knowing that God's got it. It was very hard on us. A lot of doubt, unfortunate death, sicknesses, close to death experiences, family members going away. Like it was so bad. We, it was really, really hard to rest in Jesus, but we need to. And we need to give ourselves permission to rest and enjoy life. Because sometimes when we think about God and sometimes when we think about, you know, how we've been raised in Jesus or how we've been taught theologically, we think about this God that's up there ready to gonna drop a hammer if we do anything too fun, God's gonna hammer us. So we can't, we can't be too fun. We gotta be super serious all the time or, or we gotta be super religious or we have to be, we have to be, we have to, we have to, we have to constantly, we have to constantly make every conversation about religion and we don't. Sometimes we just need to be us and enjoy it and know that God is a part of us. He's with us. We stay close to him. We're meditating day and night. We're around him, but I just want to enjoy community. And that's what I really, really enjoyed about the first four innings. I got to enjoy my teammates, my community, have fun, laugh, have a great time. And I rested in that. In innings five and six, what I would do is a lot of us to so the relievers. So what I, I, I would know that that sixth, seventh, eighth inning, most of the time is the seventh, eighth inning, uh, sometimes the ninth, depending. But the fifth and sixth inning for me, I go back and get stretched. I go into the clubhouse, our trainers would work on us, they'd stretch us. As I got older, I needed all kinds. I put atomic bomb, I was putting chemical heat on my body, tricking itself that it was hot when it was cold. Like I was trying to sweat and loosen up. And that was my, literally my preparation time because what it would do is it would tell me and it would tell my body, it would tell my competitiveness to click in. 
It's when my nerves got. It's the butterflies. And, and, and as athletes, and some of you young athletes, you gotta understand that butterflies are actually good. When you don't have butterflies, that means you don't care. So butterflies are actually good because I want to do well. I want to compete. That, the, the, the endorphins that hit your, hit your brain when you have butterflies actually in, create intense focus. And so some people sit there and they, they, they run from a storm, they run from a trial, they run from any kind of situation that might not look good when just life happens. Because you can't, nobody's gonna rest 24 seven. Nobody does. You read scripture, nobody in scripture rests. The most important people in scripture always had a storm, a trial, a tribulation. And I never understood Paul when he said, take joys and trials and tribulations. That is not even a concept that even makes sense, but it does. Because when those are coming, that's life. You were built for it. We get nervous, we get anxious, we, we get scared from time to time, but it, what it does is it pushes us to really just trust in God. It pushes us to lean on the one that we can fully trust, not always understand and not always predict, but we can trust. Because I don't know, in the fifth and sixth inning, I don't know if I'm gonna play. I don't know if something goes wrong and something goes right, if we're up or down, if we're tied, could be a three and homer and all of a sudden you gotta be in in three, in, in, in three outs and I'm running out there, you know, still not fully stretched, but I gotta run out there and start warming up because they called me and I gotta run down there. I, you don't know, but, I'm, but I, know, I know what I'm getting myself ready for. So when things start not going your way, you don't run from them, you charge them. And I know you guys have done stuff on Buffalo mentality. My brewery is Free Run Brewing Company. It is about Buffalo. I have a whole wall of Buffalo charging a storm. Like this is what it's all about. This is life. This is good. If you don't have storms, there's one person that does not care about you. And it's the devil. He does not care because you make no impact on society or for the kingdom in any way, shape or form. But when you get trials, there's a reason. He's trying to embarrass you. He's trying to, he, he, he's, he's, he's out there saying, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna test your faith. We're gonna see if you really believe in this God. And God's saying, take joy in it because I've got you. Because this is what you're built for. This is life. This is where you experience God to the fullest. Not when you're resting, that's when you're just resting, you're riding that wave and you're enjoying, maybe, maybe sometimes the kiss from heaven comes and it's just like, I just wanna give you peace for a moment. And I get that, I totally get it. But when, the, when, 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 when you can feel stuff coming or things are going down and, and life is just happening and it's not so fun, taking that time to just be like, okay, God, what do you say about me here? What do you say about me? This is the stretch, the warm up, because I'm about to get put into the game. And life was not meant to be easy. We're not even meant to be here very long. When sin entered the world, life was gonna get hard. It's predicted. There's no running from it. And there's scripture that tells you how to get through it, meditating on those day and night. So seventh inning comes in, right? So seventh inning comes into play and, and I'm getting ready to go out there. And so for me, when, 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 when I ran out there, one of the things that I had to understand was dealing with controllables and uncontrollables when life hits you. When storms hit and you've got to, you, you now have to actually like exercise faith 
you got to know what controllables and uncontrollables are. The controllables are how you think, how you react to situations, how you function in life. What have you, what have you done in your routine that day that allows you to function? What have you missed in your routine that day that, you need, that, allow, that allows you not to function? Those are controllables. The uncontrollables are the storms. You're not gonna control it. Sometimes that you bring them upon yourself, but it's still an uncontrollable, you're not gonna get out of it. You made a decision, it was wrong, deal with it. Then there's uncontrollables in, in another way where it's like, hey man, people bring storms onto you or life just happens or disease hits, sicknesses hit. Jobs get taken. Jobs go on, things that you didn't even have any control of just happen. That's an uncontrollable. And I had to learn what to deal with it when it came to the controllable and uncontrollable. I talk to my sons all the time on this, all the time. My 12 and 10 year old, hey, 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 hey. What's the controllable? How I react. Do we use our words or use our fists? Use our words. Thank you. What's the uncontrollable? How he says things to me or he shouldn't say this to me, right? Like, I gotta talk all the time on it, all the time. My 15 year old, he's massive. He's 6'5", he's 230, right? He's huge. And I told him, your uncontrollable is, is me shooting you with a taser now because I can't punish you and I gotta just, <laughs> I'm gonna just nail you with a taser and throw you in your room and ground you because I really can't move you any other way, right? So that's an uncontrollable son, it's coming, you know, stuff like that, you know? The controllable for him though is, hey man, Life is tough, you're reacting a certain way. Your controllable is how you handle and how you react or don't react to something, staying objective. Your controllable is who you are. Who are you? Not, 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 not always being tough, we've all been there. I talked to him all the time on that. I was like, listen, life's gonna come at you. What you think the end of the world is, trust me, it's not even close. <laughs> you know, I get it, you're, you're 15, the end of the world, I can't have my, Snapchat, eh, into the world, you know, but you know, it, it, but it's not, but it's, but what can you control? It's how to be respectful, respectful to your coaches, respectful to your influences in your life, uh, respectful to, 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 to your bosses, coaches, teachers, you know, other adults that are, that are around you and influencing you. Those are controllables, but us in life, things are going to get thrown at you. And you gotta be able to say, I don't have control over life. I control how I function in life and how I stay close to God during those times. But I do not have control all the time of what happens to me. And I've gotta have something to rely on besides myself. And scripturally it says here, it says Proverbs 69, man's, man's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. Proverbs 20, 24, man's steps are ordered and ordained by the Lord. How then can a man fully understand his way if he doesn't have full control? He can't. You plan your, you, you, you have in your heart, I'm gonna do this, God orders your steps. You gotta trust in that. You can't veer from it, you can't reject it. You do, it's gonna be a long road. In the end, it's gonna work out, but you can take a harder road. But if we truly fully trust in God about how we're, how, about the steps that are being ordered for us, we deal with controllables and uncontrollables. I can't control it, God can. I had, when I was in the minor leagues in Wilmington, Delaware, 
I was struggling. I was an A ball. And, and I gave up, I, I, I think I still have the record actually. I gave it the most hits in a five inning period. I, I literally think I gave up 16 hits in five innings. Why I got left in there, I have no idea, but I did. And I remember just being so frustrated, hating the game of baseball, wanting to quit because I'd never really failed at baseball at this point. And I could remember just like, like I wanna quit, I wanna go home. And I was talking to a pastor out of Portland named Al Egg. That's a long time ago. I mean, this, we're looking 25 years ago or so. And I, I still remember his name, Al Egg. And he looked at me and he said, hey, I want you to, I want you to take this and I want you to put it in your Bible. I said, okay, and he handed me a sticker. And it's a picture of a tandem bicycle. You know what tandem bicycles are? I've aged some of you, but tandem bicycles, there's two seats, two pedals, two sets of pedals. How many people steer? One. And he looked at me and he says, I want you to put it in your Bible. And I want you, anytime you try to take over and you start trying to deal with an uncontrollable, anytime you try to sit there and try to control your way, remember this picture and ask yourself, who's on the front of the tandem bicycle? Because two people will pedal, you and God, you're gonna pedal in life. God does not ask you to steer. He asks you to work as hard as you possibly can. Let him steer the bicycle. And I remember thinking of that. I remember thinking of a tandem. Every time I see tandem bicycles, I still remember that thought. I'm not asked to, to, to literally steer my life a certain way. I'm asked to meditate on the, on, on the Lord day and night. I'm asked to know scripture. I'm asked to understand who God thinks of me. I'm asked to remember who I put my strength in and to give it everything I got. And when I walked out there on that mountain in the seventh, eighth inning, I can guarantee you, I did not know it was gonna happen. I had no idea, but I got out there and I was angry competitively. I was, I was ready, I was locked in. I prepared myself for the day. I had rested, I had had fun. I'm enjoying life. And now my butterflies are hitting and my focus is intensifying and whatever storm I got put into, cause some starter left runners on first and second with one out and said, help me, you know, like I had to come in and clean up, right? I had to come in and I got intense and I got focused and no, my language wasn't always great. If I didn't do it, I was competitive, man. I, I, I get after it. And, but I gave it everything I got and I was convicted on all of my, uh, not every time, but most of the time I'd be convicted. I would throw a pitch because it's what I wanted to throw and I'm gonna give it everything I got. And if you beat me, you beat me. But if, but if not, I'm gonna beat you. And I trusted God because I knew that I don't know if I'm supposed to fail today or succeed today on that mound, but I know I was built for either one of them. I was. I was built for either scenario because it's in me, God has, has ordained my steps. He's ordained what I'm supposed to do. And when I'm in a storm, he knows that too. And he's built you for it. And he's built you to come out on the other side. And sometimes you have teachable moments. That's what I consider failures. When I fail in life, when I fail on the mound, when I fail in my relationships, when I fail as a father, I'm learning, I'm learning. But when I'm succeeding in life, I'm just taking what I've learned and I'm putting them into practice and I'm enjoying that time. It's really fun when you do your job in the seventh and eighth. It's super fun because people cheer for you and they say how awesome you are. 
And then when you don't do well, they write about you in the paper and, you know, want to continue rubbing your nose in it that you stink, you know? So like you have those times, but man, you can't control it. You can only control how you prepare for it. And that's literally how I function every day. And I've been through all kinds of hell the last three or four years. I mean, I've lost my job at YouTube because I wouldn't obey some of their restrictions. I, 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 I giants uh, didn't, didn't want me to commentate more because I had too much fun on air, which is weird, you know, but you know, cause I joked around all the time, right? You know, COVID hit, I couldn't go in and do what I do with the giants and, and, and be an ambassador because I couldn't do that. My marriage, I lost my marriage at 22 years. Couldn't control that. Like, but I started a brewery and it's super fun, you know? <laughs> I met a beautiful woman, beautiful woman that my boys love, which is awesome, it's comforting. I've got great friends. Yeah, you don't have to clap, I mean, it's whatever. Yeah, I'll take a golf swing, that way it feels like a golf clap. You know, you don't, you know, but I, but I've had things restored because I literally said, I can't control all of it, but I can control how I act and how I react to it. And it is simply that I trusted in God. I trusted in Jesus and I said, man, I don't know, but I know this. It wasn't, I, I've looked at God a few times, like, eh, I don't know if I'd have done it that way, but he brought me out of it. He did. And that's who, that's how I view life. It is not superstition, it's routine. And one last story to wrap it up, Bruce Bochy, uh, manager, my favorite manager who I learned a ton of leadership from uh, in, my, in, in, in how he did things. You know, he didn't pitch me for a, in the playoffs in 2010. Uh, we, we beat Atlanta, but he didn't, I was warming up in three different games that he didn't put me in and three different lefties hit homers and I faced lefties. So him and I, we're not seeing eye to eye why I didn't come into the game in that situation. We ended up beating him. And I remember being so mad at him and saying, I'm happy for the team, but I'm not happy on how you did it. And he just looked at me and said, that's fine. And just, he'd let me air, air him out or whatever. He's like, I'm manager. And I'm like, you're right, but th I, that's my job. And I was super mad at him. In game six in Philadelphia, uh, we had to beat uh, Roy Halladay to, to uh, go to the world, or no, I, uh, I think it was, or it was Oswald, I mean, it all runs together, uh, to, to go to the World Series. And we had game six and we got in a fight and a brawl in the second inning. And uh, we hit one of their guys and then it was just, you know, fake squabble because baseball players don't really fight. They just act like it, you know? So it was a fake squabble. And, and I remember warming up and Bochi calls down and says, warm I felt up. And I'm like, I haven't pitched in 12 days and this, you're gonna bring me into a tie game was running first and second, no outs in this situation. I'm like, here we go. You know, so I'm warming up and warming up. I come running into the game and uh, he, he's standing out there and he hands me the ball. And he usually just puts the ball in my glove and then walks off. And he went to hand me the ball and I, I moved my glove and he kept his hand in the glove. And he looked at me and he said, I know you and I aren't getting along. And I said, well, you wanna kiss? <laughs> you know? And he's like, no, but I know you and I aren't getting along, but this is what I saved you for, for such a time as this. And I remember, it almost like Esther kicked into my head, right? Like, 
Sometimes we don't know why God does things or doesn't do things, but it's gonna work out. And Bochi's not God, I ain't giving him that much credit. But, <laughs> but he said that and it gave me so much confidence and warrior-like spirit. And thankfully I could be telling the same story and then I could say, and I turned around and gave up a three run homer. I didn't, I got out of it and we ended up going to the World Series. But what happened was for me, and beat the Texas Rangers. So they won your four weeks, but they didn't win when it counted, no offense. <laughs> but, but I will say this, I will say this. I, that gave me so much courage to just be like, man, I'm gonna give it everything I got because that man believes in me. And some point in time, we have to take a step back and say, no matter what life's doing to us, whether we believe in God or not, or whether we trust him at the time, he, tr he believes in us and he loves us and he wants what's best for us. And Jeremiah 29, 11 has to come into play. that says he knows the plans he has for us, not to push us down, not to, not to demoralize, not to crush us, but to give us a future and a hope because you might not know it, but he knows it. And he's preparing you for a storm that you were definitely built for and life's gonna take its toll and you're gonna get through it simply because you have a routine and a trust in God. And I've got three boys sitting over there. They're my legacy. They're my legacy. And they're buffaloes and I tell them all the time. I said, we will charge storms because we're built for it. And we believe in the God that gets us through those things. And I'm super proud of them. We've come out in many storms because we're built for it, because the King says we are. And that's who I trust in. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to share my heart and talk a little bit about uh, who I was as a baseball player. But more than that, Father God, I just wanted to be able to share how I view you and how I love you and how I trust you. And I ask as these, uh, as this, congregation leaves today, Father God, that they would go about their day, they would enjoy each other, they would enjoy community, they would have fun, but they would in the end trust and know that they are built for everything that comes at them and that you got this. And I ask, Father God, that you would just protect us throughout our day to day, uh, enjoy our families on this wonderful Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.